What's going on, everybody? Another episode of Shooting It Straight uh, with yours truly, Justin Jackson, and my man, John. Since we last talked, uh, North Carolina has gotten two big wins. Um, first one, which I think is a really big one, North Carolina won 65-55 at Clemson. Um, not many people know how hard it is to win there in Clemson, and obviously they've got a really good team. I think uh, they put up a stat during the game that um, they were, I think, net rating. They were, they were second. North Carolina was first in the ACC. So obviously that's a big time matchup, um, but I think the big game we want to talk about is their sixty-seven to fifty-four win against rivalry NC State. Um, but obviously, before we get into that, I just want to give a big shout out to Johnny T-shirt. Uh, any gear you need for UNC, and whether it's basketball, football, baseball, whatever it might be, that's the spot to go to. Um, and then also Congruity HR where Targo fans can get a free payroll and HR needs assessment anytime they need it. So shout out to them for sponsoring these videos. Um, we really appreciate y'all. Uh, but anyways, back to NC State and North Carolina. John, I think uh, obviously it's always fun to watch rivalry games. Uh, it's always fun to have these games. I'm already knowing my man Hoots, um, the guy that keeps you in Steve basketball running, was fired up these past three days after that Clemson game. I'm sure he couldn't think about anything else other than this, this rivalry game because of what kind of is at stake when it comes to uh, trash talking rights and keeping things the way that they're supposed to be. Um, but I think there was a few things, man, watching, obviously I'm currently I'm in Canada. Um, so unfortunately in Canada, they don't have ESPN. Uh, they've got TSN. And so they don't have the games, um, but I was able to catch the end of it and then watch um, kind of the condensed game of it. And um, some of the takeaways that I have is defensively, North Carolina is playing at a high level right now. Um, offensively, you know, I think they're still trying to find kind of their mojo, I guess, kind of their identity when it comes to the team. But defensively, man, holding teams under 60 points, um, in multiple games in a row is that's a really hard task and they've done it and they've done it on the road in a very hostile environment. I think last night when you kind of see, you know, what, what it all looked like, I mean, DJ Horn going into the game, I think was their go-to guy and he was two for 16. Um, obviously I know a little bit of everybody got, you know, that matchup, but you know, the guys that were on him was, doing an unbelievable job being physical, causing, making everything difficult. Um, Marcel was three for 12. Um, you know, Parker was two for seven. Taylor was two for seven. Overall, they held him at 26.9% and nine and a half percent from three. Uh, that's um, you play defense like that. You you're going to win a lot of games. And so I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is, you know, forget everything else, forget offensively, forget, you know, RJ scoring the ball, forget who's going to come off the bench, forget who 
you know, Mondo being dominant. If a team plays defense the way that they play defense these last couple of games, especially um, against NC State, they're going to win a lot of games. So I think that's my biggest takeaway from this game. Um, and then obviously when, when you look at when you look at games down the stretch, that's where defense really has to come into play. And I think, you know, in some of the games that NC or North Carolina has played, um, I think down the stretch, you know, against a Kentucky or a UConn, getting those timely stops were kind of the the tough part. You know, UConn was able to execute and get some get some you know some buckets down the stretch to kind of put them away. Kentucky kind of did the same thing, but you see in this game from start to finish, defensive execution was was on point. You know, you obviously have a guy like Harrison who's kind of the catalyst when it comes to defense in the first unit. Um, then you've got a guy like Cormac, who I think is a very underrated defensive player. But then you've got a guy like Seth come in, Jalen Withers come in. We saw High come in for a couple of minutes, and I think he he gave us some some good energy and some good um, you know spurts off the bench. Um, and then you've got Jalen Washington coming in with his length and his size. So. I think defensively, man, this team could be an issue. And so once once they get the offense kind of rolling, I mean, offensively they were 38% from the field and 33% from three. So it's not like they played great offensively, but defensively, especially on the road, I mean, you heard how loud it was in that arena. And I remember <laughs> I remember myself going back, you know, to that arena. They always got loud for these games. You know, it was almost like their championship game whenever you go in there. So for them to be able to you know, rally together and play defensively the way that they did, I think was a very, very, very good um, sign going forward. And it's going to end up being a great strength of theirs uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, I got a couple stats to support that, Justin. First of all, North Carolina has held three straight ACC opponents to fewer than 60 points for the first time since 1998-99. Uh, I was two years old, I think, then. So that shows that's a long time ago. <laughs> and then second, just to kind of speak to the defensive growth, really since before the Oklahoma game, UNC is is 5-0 and in this little stretch. There's this advanced stats site called barttorvik.com. So it's one of those stats that I've probably heard of, Justin. I don't know if you're looking at these types of uh, websites a lot, but since... 12 19s so that's the day before the oklahoma game until now unc has ranked second overall in adjusted defensive efficiency nationally that's second overall and then they're 99th in adjusted offensive efficiency so i think what that speaks to is two things number one defense is driving this recent run and unc has a lot of room to improve because if they can improve their offensive efficiency if they can put the ball in the basket a little bit more hit some more shots maybe Cormac starts to get a little bit hot a little bit hot as the season goes along I mean the ceiling for this team is just going to keep going up and up and I'll make one final point here we think back a lot to the final four run in, in 2022 uh, UNC obviously marched to to beat Coach K and, and went to the national championship game. That run, you think back on it, you think about Brady Manick hitting threes, Caleb Love hitting threes, but that run was also a defensive-focused run. So it feels like UNC is getting back to its roots a little bit uh, that allowed it to have so much success during that 2022 
Final Four run as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's funny because when we first started the season, the biggest thing that I was talking about was shooting and how how this team offensively looks like they've got more than they've had you know, in the past couple of years. Obviously, I think it's still going to turn around a little bit, but we haven't truly seen that shooting game in and game out. But one thing that we have seen is defensively that the way that they're able to play against these these other opponents. And, you know, like you said, I mean, the, to, to start off ACC play, um, I guess obviously they played Florida State earlier on, but these last three games they've played against ACC opponents, to hold them under 60 points, um, that's a unbelievable feat when you really look at it. Um, I mean, you go into a Clemson environment that is – extremely hard to win and obviously they're still a really good team um and you're able to hold that team who you know for one they were coming off a loss against miami so they're a little more motivated um you add on the fact that they're at home have some energy uh, and they've got really good players and you're able to do that is one thing and then you go into you know an even more hostile environment with nc state three days later and you hold them to i mean to be honest, I didn't even really look at the stats, you know, until really just now. And to hold a team under 30% and under 10% from three, that's unheard of numbers. So I think that is kind of the identity of this team right now. And like you said, I mean, that's what's so encouraging is the fact that they have so much more to improve on offensively. You know, if you know, you, you look at it and, RJ obviously had a pretty good game, but he was six for 19. If RJ shoots just a little bit better like he has been, let's just say he goes eight for 19, nine for 19, this game is an even totally different game. If Cormac, you know, he goes three for nine, hits those first two threes early on in the game, if he hits one or two more of those shots, this game is totally different again. Um, so... You know, I think that's what's so encouraging about this team is there's nothing but improvement that can happen, you know, and you kind of look at it and, you know, it's it, they're getting things in areas that you wouldn't necessarily expect. You know, you, you look at the stat line and RJ scores 16, Elliott scores 11, which we'll talk about him in a little bit because I thought he played extremely well. Um, I think I felt like that this was his most – he looked the most comfortable in this game out of the last few that they've had. Um, but then you look at Harrison, who we've talked about as kind of that, you know, Swiss Army knife and that X factor. 19 rebounds as a we'll, – we'll consider him a four. Um, but as a three-four is, is crazy, to be honest with you. Um you know, five offensive rebounds, 14 defensive rebounds. I mean, that's that's just wanting it more. You know, like that's – that, and I feel like that's kind of what Harrison brings to this team is kind of just that, that edge and that grittiness of, hey, look, there's – I might not score a ton of points necessarily, but I'm going to go out here and get, I'm going to want it more than y'all are going to want it. And – you know, I think you saw it. He kind of got back to what we saw early on in the season. You know, off of those offensive rebounds, he got back into the post a little bit more, used his physicality offensively. Um, and I think that's 
that's kind of the identity of what he is for this team. And for this team to be really good, I think that's what he has to be. You know, he has to be that physical specimen. He has to be that, you know, do it all, do all of the things. Obviously, it showed up in the box score today, but do those things that don't necessarily show up in the box score to help this team. So, once again, shout out to Harrison, man. He's, uh, you know, we always talk about he's, you got to be able to affect the game in, in different ways. You know, if that means you're not scoring, you got to be able to do something different. And almost having 20 rebounds in a game is, is crazy. Um, so, you know, shout out to him. And I think, you know, once he kind of gets back into a rhythm offensively, you know, I think he's been offensively in a little bit of a slump the last few games. And once he kind of gets back into that flow um, that we kind of saw him early on in the season, I think he's going to be obviously huge for this team. And I think he's going to just continue to take this team to a different level. Um, so I think, you know, this team, obviously, man, when you, when you look at it, you kind of wonder what, you know, what is the success coming from? You know, is it the players just rallying around each other? Is it, you know, them knowing their schedule is tough and how important ACC games are every, each and every one of them is. Um, but I mean, I think you have to kind of look at the coaching as well. You know, there's, uh, it's always funny to me how fans they are so quick to um, when things start going bad, you know, they, the coach is always the first to blame. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know how many people who watch this podcast or listen to this podcast. I don't know how many people are football fans, but that's the biggest thing you see is, okay, a team has a bad year. Oh, it's the coach. We got to get him out of here. You know, we got to get the offensive coordinator out of here. We got to get the defensive coordinator out of here. Heck, we might even have to get the GM out of here. You know, it's like it always falls back onto those, you know, supporting staff and coaching. And I think we kind of have seen this kind of throughout Coach Davis's time as head coach you know I think even the year they made it to the championship his first year it was man is 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 Hubert Davis really the is he the guy for this job and then all of a sudden they make it to the final four and it's oh man we need to extend this guy he needs to be the coach for the future and you know then we go into last year and they don't make the tournament and it's like man we might need to start looking for another coach and now we start we go into the year and, you know, there's hype around the team. They're playing well. And you don't hear any of those things about he might need to be out of the, the, the seat. And as I'm going to continue to back coach Davis and that staff and, you know, everything that they're doing, um, I think the job that they're doing as far as bringing this team together as quickly as, you know, I feel like they have, and they still have room to grow. I think is a testament to how this coaching staff has dealt with this team. You look at this team and you've got five or six new players, brand new players to the program, brand new players to what, what it means to be North Carolina basketball. And you bring them in and they're 4-0 in conference playoff rip. And they're about to be top five because of all these college teams losing in the last week. Um, and obviously you have to give – 95% of the credit to the players. They're the ones that go out there onto the court and they execute everything that they're supposed to execute. But you got to take a minute and sit back and say, hey, look, this coaching staff is doing a pretty good, pretty good job. You know, whether that's player development, 
shout out to Marcus Page, whether that's um, just the connection with the players, whether that's watching film with players, whether that's making sure that each and every player knows their role and what this team needs from each of them, whatever it might be, they're doing everything to put these guys into situations to have success. And, you know, I think that sometimes kind of goes by the wayside and people don't really, uh, you know, take that into account and don't appreciate that enough. So I just want to take a little bit of time to kind of talk about the coaches and them setting up these guys to be able to have the most success that they can. And, um, you know, fans, fans don't really like to talk about coaches unless it's uh, who's on the hot seat and who needs to be moved and who needs to, you know, get up out of there and find a new one. So, you know, I think we need to sit back and take a little moment to give them just, just a quick little shout out, just a quick shout out. I'm on, I'm on the player side and I, I know the players are the ones that go out there on the court and are on there, you know, doing everything they can. Uh, but got to take a second just to give a shout out to the coaching staff for sure. Absolutely. And I'll even take it one step further in that it's been three seasons now. Hubert Davis has basically checked every single box you want as a head coach because he's done all the on-court stuff like you've talked about, but he's also a great recruiter. I mean, I think you can see this season getting Elliot Cadeau in the program and the recruiting class that he has coming up, uh, huge wins there. Um, and he also just represents the University of North Carolina really well. So I'm ready, Justin, I'm ready to put my fist down and say enough with this. After every single game, the Instagram comment says, I don't know about Hubert Davis. I think this is the point. It's been three seasons. UNC is playing amazing basketball. I think we should just put that conversation uh, to bed on ice. I I'm calling it. Now, I don't think the fans will necessarily <laughs> listen to me because, you know, that's that's how it goes. Uh, UNC could drop the next two, and and they could they could be right back. But I totally agree with you, Justin. I think it's important to call out. Uh, this has been an amazing coaching job by Hubert Davis, getting his players to buy in. Uh, he's doing it on the court as well with with the great X's and O's calls. Um, I do want to call out as well another I think key element to this run for UNC, which is their finishing games really strong. You look consistently over the last three games. It's a close game in the second half, and then UNC kind of puts the foot down at the end and, and pulls away. Uh, Justin, can you kind of describe that to me as a player? Because we know you're playing three, four nights a week in the ACC, maybe two to three nights in the ACC a week, but you're finding the energy to put the foot down and kind of close these games out on the road. What's that like as a player? Yeah, I think... I think first and foremost, um, fans and just people in general have to realize how hard it is to win, right? Uh, I think a lot of times, obviously, every team in the country, however many teams that is, there is 300 and some teams in the country, uh, they set out each and every season to win a championship. I mean, that's everybody's first goal. But to really win a championship is – a extremely hard feat. Sometimes you have to get lucky. Sometimes you just have to hope that nobody gets injured. Sometimes you got to hope that maybe, you know, a team has a bad night whenever you're going against them. Like there's certain things that just go into winning a championship. So obviously I think, and as fans, obviously that that's, that's our, that's our biggest goal. You know, we look at this, we look at the team and we're like, Hey, let's go win a championship. 
Um, but it's hard and each and every game matters. And like you're saying, closing games is, is huge. Now I think there's a few things that go into the way that North Carolina has closed games, you know, these, these tougher games that they've had here recently, I think against Clemson, I think, uh, one of the biggest things that you saw was RJ down the stretch, which we've seen that consistently throughout the season. Um, it was RJ and then Mondo down the stretch Mondo. I do want to give a shout out to Mondo in that Clemson game against a really good player like Hall. Um, defensively, he was unreal. You could kind of tell that he kind of took that challenge, um, all the hype that he was getting coming into the game and all that kind of stuff. He kind of took that challenge. But the way they closed that game out was just off RJ and Mondo playing inside. You know, that, that was how they finished it out. I think this game against NC State, you saw – you know, and this kind of goes into our next kind of my next point that I want to talk about is you kind of saw how Elliot was the one who kind of controlled the pace and controlled kind of what that offense was doing and getting everybody in the right positions. And, you know, it's obvious, obviously a highlight, but, you know, you saw one of the clips going down the stretch. It was just a pick and roll him and Mondo and he dropped it off to Mondo down the lane for a dunk. And I think it was to put him up 13 or something like that. And, I think those are big aspects of the game. When you, when it comes down to closing games out, if it's not a blowout, you have to be able to control the play, control the pace in some form or fashion. You might still be playing fast because it might be a game that's just getting up and down, but you might also have to execute in the half court. And you've got to have guys who are able to execute, who are able to, you know, put guys in positions that they need to be in but also make plays. And I think last night you kind of saw Elliot. I think it was the most comfortable that I've seen him in a while as far as just his pace and not being sped up and not making those, you know, I'm going to call it just young mistakes. You know, those mistakes that you kind of think you're going to be able to get coming from high school because last year he would have been able to make it with no problem. And you know, now you play against a guy that's a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit bigger, and you can't get those things done. But you didn't really see that last, you know, their last game against NC State. And so when I see that, it's just growth. You know, we talk about how his how he's young. He's supposed to be in he's supposed to be a senior in high school. Like when I was when I was a senior in high school, there's not many things you're worried about. You know, like there's not many things that you're basketball, you're just, especially at his level, you're just really good at it, you know? And so it's, you go into each and every game, you don't really have to worry about too much. You go out there and you hoop and you go home, you play video games, you do this, do that. And it's just, it's not that big of a deal. Well, now, you know, he's a freshman in college and he's being asked to play, he played 33 minutes in a rivalry game away and he plays as calm and collected and, you know, as poised as he played, uh, especially down the stretch in this game. Um, that's another encouraging sign. It's just growth. We've talked about it all year. Like, I think he's going to get better each and every game as these games go on and as he plays against different opponents and he sees different looks and how college basketball really is, especially in the ACC and, you know, how each and every game is important and how each and every game is tough, even if it's a team that's, at the bottom of the ACC, I think for me when I watch that, it's, okay, this team could really be 
could really be good if he's able to kind of learn on the fly and be able to play at this pace and control the game the way that he was able to control it. So I think that's a big reason, uh, obviously, against NC State, why they closed the game out the way they did. But you also have to go back to their defense. Defense down the stretch, they weren't – NC State wasn't able to get anything. I mean, they there was two or three possessions in a row where they settled for – it was a contested jump shot mid-range – uh, they tried to get Burns the ball a couple times, and Mondo was playing unbelievable post defense on him. Um, so, you know, that also has to be another, you know, another reason. But I think it was just the poise down the stretch, especially by Elliot, um, Elliot and RJ kind of handling the ball down the stretch and getting guys in the position. I think that was a big reason why you kind of saw them finish the game out strong. Yeah, there was one other point I wanted to make with Elliot specifically as well. One of the themes of the show here is that, you know, one of us played in Woolen Gym, one of us played in the Dean Smith Center. So there's a little bit more of a Woolen Gym take here from me. But sometimes when you're playing basketball games and you're the point guard, you understand, hey, my guys are having an off night. I need to ramp up my offense a little bit. And I felt like a little bit in the first half, Elliot could sense that, hey, uh, Armando's in foul trouble. Maybe RJ's not having his best shooting night. So I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive with the types of shots that I'm taking and uh, the types of, you know, attacks that I'm making at the basket. That's something maybe that you're you're seeing in in pickup as well. If you get on a pickup team and you're like, man, we don't have any offense on this team. I'm just going to have to chuck some shots up. Otherwise, we're not going to score. But I do think that's another element of Cadeau's growth. He's growing to understand different parts of the college game, understands how to pick his spots and uh, attack the basket as well. That was really good to see. I want to take a quick second uh, to let you know you've been listening to Shooting It Straight with Justin Jackson. We're going to take a quick break uh, for some ads here. We'll be right back uh, with more on UNC's victory over NC State. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, Justin, you've had the opportunity to play against NC State many times over your career. UNC just got a big win last night. Uh, Just taking a step back, can you describe what it's like to play in that environment and to play in that rivalry? You talked a little bit about what it means to Eric Hoots, to some of the people uh, within the Carolina basketball organization. What does this win mean for UNC? Uh, I mean, it's obviously it goes down as just one win in the you know conference column but there's certain games that you kind of get up get up more for and nc state is one of those games especially when you go into nc state um 
the fans at the fans at NC State, there's really no um, no lines that they won't cross when it comes to cheering for their team, and that means um, what they might call you. That means what you know they might talk about, what information they might have on you, personal stuff or anything like that. Um, so when you go into a game like this and they show up, that I will say one thing: PNC Arena is is one of it's one of the nicer arenas in the ACC, and um, it's huge. I think it's. I mean, I, I don't know this for sure, but it feels like it's about the same size as or close to the Dean Dome, maybe. Um, and it, uh, you know, you can hear it and you can feel it. You know, every game when North Carolina goes in there against NC State, it's rocking. And so I think that's why this this game was so, uh, you know, early on in ACC play for them to be able to handle this game the way that they did, I think is, is a very good sign and very encouraging to me. Um, you know, I, I think when I look back at my time against NC State, I think I lost – one or two times, uh, but one of those losses would, was at the Dean Dome uh, my freshman year, I think. And um, I don't know if I ever lost at PNC Arena. So, um, you know, that's obviously always a fun, it's always a fun place to go and play at. Um, the environment is awesome. It's loud. You're going against, you know, usually a pretty good NC State team that, you know, has always tried to um, picture themselves on the same level as UNC. And so they play with that energy and that effort and that drive every time you play against them. So NC State was always one of those games that was fun. You know, it was, it was, uh, everybody was fired up around you. You know, I mentioned, I mentioned Hoots before, but I mean, there's just a level of different level of energy when it goes to this NC State game. You know, it's right below the Duke game. Like the, the energy level is just different, you know, whether it's a shoot-around or scout practice or, you know, film, whatever it might be. It's just a different level that, um, you know, you can just feel in the air. So I always enjoyed that. Uh, and I think, you know, this team did exactly what they were supposed to do against it. Um, I mean, I think my junior year – that was probably the wildest two games my junior year against NC State. My, the first game was at our place. It was a snow day, which this is another thing, too. I, I didn't – North Carolina kind of shuts down whenever there's a lot of snow. Um, and you would think kind of being on the East Coast kind of, you know, it gets a little bit colder there. You would think that they're, you know, able to handle the cold and the snow a little bit better than what – at least when I was there, that they did. But school was shut down for a few days. Our game got postponed because the – I want to say the roads were too icy or something like that, and so it was dangerous for students students to get to the games, fans to get to the games. So they pushed – I think they pushed it back only a couple of days, something like that. I think they pushed it back and refunded, refunded tickets, and everybody was losing their minds because they pushed the game back and all this kind of stuff. And – that NC State team was actually really good. I mean, it was 
had Dennis Smith Jr., who's he was a lottery pick and still in the NBA, I think, with Brooklyn. Uh, I think BJ Anya was there. Uh, they had another big Abu. Omar, year seven. Year seven was there. He's in the NBA right now. Uh, they had a few other people. It was a good NC State team. And, uh, you know, obviously there was so much drama. All UNC's running from, you know, they're running from NC State, all this sort of stuff. And they came in there and we completely blitzed them. I mean, it was, uh, it was, you know, I think, I think we have the score down right here 107 to 56. Um, I think that's, that's the largest margin of victory I think I was ever a part of, even exhibition games, preseason game, like all of that. I think that's the largest margin of victory ever. Uh, and so, <laughs> We beat them like that at our place, and then we went and won by – I want to say because we won by a total of 75 points that year against them. So we, what, 51 plus 24. So we won by 24 at their place. And um, those were some good memories. Those were definitely some good memories. Uh, the amount of – I won't say the amount of celebration, um, but – it was definitely a great feeling walking off that court in the Dean Dome. You look up at the scoreboard and 107 to 56. I mean, those kind of games are the games that you love too as a starter or like as a main guy because you don't play for the last four or five minutes. Guys who don't get a chance to necessarily play a lot are the ones out there kind of finishing the game and getting a real opportunity. You know, obviously you see the you see the walk-ons and maybe guys that don't play a lot – you know, at the end of the games, you saw how, you know, Zayden came back in, Lebo came in for a minute, Pax came back in for a minute, you know. But sometimes you want to see those guys be able to play a little bit in a real game and actually get a sweat going. And that game my junior year was kind of that, the way that that went. So it's, it's, those games are always fun, you know, now being in the league and, you know, being where I am now, those are probably the biggest ones that I miss. You know, it's just the the environment, the intensity, how much it means to not only the players, but the fans and everybody engaged and involved. You can just feel the energy. You know, it's tough whenever you're in an 82-game season or, you know, however long some of these seasons might go on for because it's just hard to have that same mentality game in and game out. Because you might have one game, you know, I might have a game tonight, and then all of a sudden, I, you know, we lose by 15, uh, 15, 20. And then we got to turn right back around tomorrow and play the same exact team or play a different team, and you, you got to be back locked in. So I think that's the biggest thing that I miss about college basketball is just the environment and running out of that tunnel and either feeling the the support and the cheers for you or hearing the booze and things like that from the opposing fans, you know, those it's uh, the adrenaline level that you get from that. It's just, it's crazy. So, um, you know, I hope those guys enjoyed that game last night. Obviously their game was a little bit different than the one Oh seven fifty six blowout that we had, but at the same time they beat NC state. They got the win. They've got the bragging rights for right now. They got to go back home. Um, kind of see you know kind of see what's next so hopefully they're uh 
Hopefully they're kind of taking some time to relax, get the legs right, get the body right, so they can kind of keep this streak going. Yeah, to tie this back as well to last night's game, in the 107-56 game, NC State shot 36.5% from the field and 30% from three. Last night, NC State shot 26.9% from the field and 9.5% from three. So that shows even though uh, the game in 2017 was a much bigger blowout, it shows UNC's defensive performance last night might have been even more dominant. Um, so just to put that in perspective there. Justin, we have one final question for you today. Uh, over the last 24 hours, there's been a ton of big-time coaches who have stepped away from the game. We talked about NFL a little earlier, so it connects there as well. Uh, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Pete Carroll. I was just curious, you know, another legendary coach retired a few years ago on April Fool's Day of, of all days. I'm kind of curious from your perspective as a player, how did you hear about that? Uh, can you kind of just tell me the story of the emotions you felt when you heard that Roy Williams was retiring? Yeah, I mean, he, um, it's funny because he retired on April Fool's Day. He retired on April 1st. And I can't necessarily remember. I think I might have been in Sacramento at the time. Uh, I was somewhere where I, I no, I, I was in OKC. Yeah, I was in OKC, I remember. Um, I think I had an off day, so I slept in a little bit. And I woke up to, I actually woke up to a call. And uh, I had already had text messages from people, from guys like, former teammates and things like that at UNC. And uh, we had all gotten an email basically saying that Coach Williams was retiring. He was supposed to have a press conference later to like later that day and things like that. And uh, immediately you think it's a joke because it is April Fool's. But at the same time, Coach Williams isn't – he's not an April Fool's like jokester, you know. Like that's not who he is. So – you're kind of, we were, I was kind of like, there's no way this is happening. Um, but coach Williams wouldn't joke about this. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't say that this is, you know, he wouldn't all of a sudden come out and say, he's got a press conference saying he's retiring and then say, it's like, that's not what coach Williams, that's not how he is. So, so anyway, so, uh, I think I got a call from Kenny maybe, um, and uh, he was like, yo, did you see the news? And I was like, I mean, I, I saw it. Like, do you think it's real? Like, I don't, you really think this is real? Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he would joke about this, but coach, coach seems like he, you know, was in a decent spot as far as coaching and things like that. And, and uh, come to find out it was real. And, um, you know, like you said, it's a legend, a hall of famer, one of the best to ever do it. And, you know, now looking at, kind of looking at these coaches, I mean, obviously Bill Belichick came out, I guess this morning, um, saying that he was done for after 24 years. I mean, I was, I mean, that was four when he started coaching the, the Patriots. And uh, then obviously yesterday, I think, you know, when I kind of look at it, I, I feel like Nick Saban retiring is kind of the, I mean, ever since I've been alive, I feel like at least, um, it's probably the most legendary coach to retire in a, in a while when it comes to 
college football, you know, that's been at, you know, where they've been coaching for as long as Nick Saban has been. And obviously, you know, it comes, you know, I was looking at it, Nick Saban's 72 years old, you know, and I'm sure part of it is, you know what, I just want to, you know, go home and be with my family and enjoy my family. I mean, people don't realize how much it goes into coaching. I mean, obviously in season you're doing meetings and film and, you know, practices and all that kind of stuff. But then you're also having to fly out and do recruiting. And I can only imagine what it's like recruiting for football, you know, basketball, obviously they go to their certain live periods and, you know, you're only recruiting for what, 12 to 15 guys, you know? So, but it is, uh, it is tough to kind of see Nick Saban go, man. Everybody's so used to seeing him with that well-oiled machine over there at Alabama that just, you know, I was looking at a list of players that he's coached over his time at Alabama and it's, it's an NFL factory over there. Um, you know, their second and third string guys end up being guys that go and are all pros in the NFL. So, you know, obviously I don't know Nick Saban, but I wish him nothing but the best you know, as he kind of goes into this next chapter, hopefully he can just enjoy his family and enjoy his retirement. He's done enough in college football. I mean, he's he's been almost the face when it comes to coaching in college football for a while now. So, um, you know, shout out to him. Obviously, people think Bill Belichick's going to do something different. You know, they don't think that he's necessarily done. But if he is done, you know, I wish him nothing but the best. Once again, he's kind of created a uh, standard when it comes to coaching in the NFL. And, you know, it's it, once again, it's funny because Bill Belichick has been one of the best NFL coaches of all time, if not the best. And you look at kind of the last couple of years and how they've struggled and the fans are asking for him to be out. You know, it's it's time for a replacement. And it's just funny how quickly it turns when it comes to coaches and things like that. Um, from the fans' perspective. But, you know, it does kind of feel like with Nick Saban retiring, it does kind of feel like a Coach Williams or obviously, you know, Carolina fans aren't going to like it, but Coach K retiring. Like, it's like those guys are legendaries, you know, like those, they're going to be, you know, in the argument for best college coaches of all time for a really long time, if not forever. So, um, you know, it's – uh it's tough to see him go, but obviously times have to change at times. And we're kind of in the middle of that, it seems like. So we'll see what Alabama decides to do. We'll see what the Patriots decide to do. I've got a few fan I've got a few friends and teammates that are Alabama fans. So I gotta kinda get their their takes on what they think are gonna happen or how they're feeling about the retirement and see, you know, what they think is gonna be next. But, you know, once again, obviously hope them nothing but the best and you know i hope they're able to enjoy it i talked to coach williams not too long ago and it sounded like he was loving retirement so um you know i'm sure these i'm sure these guys are going to do the exact same absolutely and tying back to what we said earlier as well if alabama if the patriots if the seahawks get a coach who takes them to the national championship game in their first year like hubert davis did at unc following roy williams they'll be extremely extremely lucky um <laughs> unc plays syracuse next on saturday after that they go uh, and host louisville the following wednesday so 
uh, conference play just keeps rolling on. It's it's relentless. Justin, any final thoughts today after UNC's big win over NC State? Uh, just that this team is going in a great direction. I think the trajectory of this team is is going in the right direction, and I think it's you know there's still obviously things that they can get better at, which is an even more encouraging sign. You know, we talk about the offense and how if they can get the offense even close to where they are defensively. I mean, number two in the country defensively, that's 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 going to win you a lot of games. And so I think this this team, you know, they're starting to kind of figure it out, starting to figure out the identity. Um, and I love where they're at. You know, I'm going to continue to say that each and every week. You know, like you said, they might, you know, obviously they might drop the next two. Um, but I love what this team has. I love what they're made up of. Um, in college basketball, the experience is, is the biggest skill, honestly. You don't see a lot of teams that have the number one recruiting class and play all freshmen that end up making it to the very end and winning it. You don't see that very often. Um, and so you've got a team here that has guys that have been there before, have played a lot of college basketball, um, that are able to rally around young guys like Elliott. Um, and they seem to be gelling pretty well together and finding out, you know, how we can play with each other. So, so excited for where this team is headed. Um, and once again, you know, I'm going to always say at the end of these shows, I appreciate, we appreciate everybody who tunes in, listens or watches um, on a weekly basis. Obviously, we just get on here. We enjoy talking about UNC basketball. It helps that they are pretty good this year. Um, but we just enjoy getting on here and kind of breaking down, you know, what little knowledge we might have um, and just kind of talking about, you know, the ins and outs and how things actually work uh, from a behind-the-scenes standpoint sometimes and talk about the game and things like that. So, once again, thank you to everybody who is listening or watching. We definitely appreciate y'all. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope everybody has a great week, and we'll talk to y'all next time.